started a series about three weeks ago, and I don't know how much longer I'll go in it, maybe another couple weeks, but we've been talking about calm and the crazy. And I started this series because it just seemed like, you know, I, I, I was being bombarded with all of these messages that we're getting in the media and social media and all that, and I was starting to get a little panicky, you know. And I said, well, if I'm getting panicky, probably some of the folks in the class are. It'd be good to, to kind of study this and, and uh, talk about it, you know. But uh, we, live in a crazy, we live in a crazy world, and it seems like it's getting crazier and crazier, and, and uh, all it's going to take is one little match, and like a powder keg, it's going to go, you know. And, and so I don't think as believers, though, we need to be frantic, and we need to have angst. We're going to talk a little bit about that today, you know, over the weekend, even more. Just, you know, I, you know President Trump, love him or hate him, whatever, you know, he's controversial. Now he's got something going with the NFL, and I'm... I am boycotting the NFL today. I'm not going to watch. It has nothing to do with the Bears being 0-2. I'm just not going to watch. I'm just joking. Uh, I'll, I'll watch the Bears lose again. But, but today I want to talk about, about having calm in the crazy. And I want to talk to you about the calm of God's sovereignty. The calm of God's sovereignty. Let's look at uh, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We, we're going to use this as kind of a launching pad. And, um, and I'll go as far as I can today. I'm not going to rush this because I, I know when I start rushing, I'm all over the place. But uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. Let's, let's read it all together because I think it would be great for us to read some, some scripture. Let's read from verse 4 all the way to, to verse 6. Ready? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. The world we live in today has caused many of us as believers to become anxious. And we talked last week, we gave you a lot of reasons why we have anxiety and that kind of stuff. But, but, um, but, but the world that we live in has caused a lot of us to become anxious people. And uh, I don't know about you, but when you're around anxious people, you don't want to be around them too long. You know, they, 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 they kind of scare you because they seem like they're fidgety. seems like they're not calm. They're, they're anxious, right? And I think, I think that for the believer, that's, that's not what God intended. Um, anxiety can be described as this. So you're like, am I an anxious person? Well, let me, let me, sh- let me share with you what, what anxiety looks like. It's a barrage of what ifs. Is that you? Does that sound like you? And what if we don't have enough money for the rent next month? What, 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 what if the car breaks down? Uh, what, you know, what ifs? Does that sound like your life as a believer that causes a lot of anxiety? What ifs? If we live in that, in that what if? What, you know, what, 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 if, what if I get laid off this week? What if I lose my 401k? What if, what if, uh, uh, you know, what if, what, if, what if my kids disappoint me? What if this happens at school? What, what if, what if, what if? And the more what ifs we have in our life, the more we're going to be anxious. Uh, how about this one? Uh, anxiety can be described as a life of trepidation. What does trepidation mean? Trepidation means you're scared of everything. We have major concerns about minor issues. You know, I'm not, I'll throw my wife under the bus this week because she's not here. You know, Landon got up at 3 in the morning. He's sick. He's got this bad cold, and, and so he didn't sleep all night, and, and he woke me up at 3. And anyway, but earlier this week, I got a little cold sore, you know, and it got swollen. And, and, and my wife looked at you're going to urgent care. You're going to urgent it's a cold sore. It's, it's minor, you know? And, and I'm using that example because some, some of us, we take minor things and we make a major. It's, it's, everything's big. Everything's big. That's anxiety. That's anxiety. And some of you are like, yeah, stay on that one, Brother Danny. Well, no, I'm doing that. I have courage when my wife's not here. Amen. But, um, 
But another way to describe anxiety is no breath. What does that mean? Anxiety comes from two words. The word angst, which means unease. And then that second half, that X-I-O-U-S word, that means out of breath. We're out of breath because of our unease. Does that sound like some of us? We're going through life. You know, we ran to class this morning. We're here out of breath. It was just, it was just work getting here. And it's all just anxiety. Some of you are out of breath because of, you know, the, uh, the kids. You know, they've, they've got you. I don't know if I could do this much. You're, you're out of breath. Uh, some of you are out of breath because of the workplace that you're at. It's got you. I'm exasperated. I'm out of breath. And that, that describes anxiety. So that description, a life of what ifs, a life of making major concerns about minor things, and a life of no breath, does that describe you? Then you're an anxious person and you need today's lesson. All right? Um, but we have nobody here that's anxious. Everybody's got it under control. Either that or you're all on, on you know, uh, Valium or prescription medication. But, but one of the greatest verses in the Bible is Philippians 4.4. 4. Isn't that a great verse? You can quote it. You don't even have to look at it. Let's, let's say it together. Ready? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, it's a powerful verse. And it's great not just because of its content, but where it was written from. Where do you think that was written from? Some of you know the Bible, know where it was written from, right? When, when I say rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, I'm thinking it's maybe at a revival meeting somewhere, Paul's all hopped up and, and just had a tremendous, he just spoke to an incredible crowd and had an incredible response. And, and so I gotta, I gotta check on those Philippians. Let me write him a quick letter. Rejoice in the Lord always. That's where I'm thinking it's from, right? Or maybe it's from after a, a, you know, a hard uh, uh, time in ministry and Paul maybe went to some resort town on the Mediterranean and he's kind of relaxing on a nice beach there in Greece and it's just a beautiful sunset, nice warm weather. And he's thinking, you know what? I better write those Philippians. Hey, Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That's not where it was written from. One written from a beach, one written after some great meeting. You know where that was written from? You know it. From a what? From a jail. From a jail. Now, isn't that powerful? A guy that's in jail, and it's not like our jails today. You know, you go to jail today, things are taken care of for you. You know, you get three, three meals a day and dental care and medical care, and, 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 and God forbid you're in a little cell that has a little bit of damp moisture. You know, they'll change that for you. Uh, it's not like today, man. It was a bad situation. But in the midst of that, Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. So it's a powerful verse, not just because where it was written from, but it's, a pow- it's powerful because of the condition of Paul's life. When Paul wrote that, when he wrote, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, he was half blind. You remember when he, when he wrote in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 15, he, he, he talked about he had to squint and he had an eye problem. So it wasn't like Paul was in perfect health when he said rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. He was in pretty bad health. Matter of fact, he had to have a physician accompany him along this journey because of his bad health. So it wasn't like he was saying, rejoice, I'm in good health, rejoice. No. Uh, also, he was awaiting trial. That's why he was in, in jail. He was awaiting trial uh, to go see the Roman Empire, Emperor. He was awaiting trial to be shipped to Rome to be tried. Do you think that was a good situation? But yet he wrote, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And not only that, but he was under tremendous pressure. Philippians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17 said people were actually making fun of him and mocking him and tremendous pressure. Not only that, the Bible said he had the responsibility of all the churches. It's a lot of responsibility. 
So here you have this man in jail, under tremendous pressure, yet he could tell others to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Isn't that powerful? What was Paul, what was, what was the anchor? See, Paul was free from what ifs and trepidation and no breath because he was anchored in one thing. And don't miss this. If you miss anything else I say, don't miss this. The reason Paul could say rejoice in the Lord always in a jail cell amidst all these pressures around him is because he had a tremendous anchor. And here's what his anchor was. You ready? He was anchored in the sovereignty of God. He believed that God was in control. And do you know, the more that we believe that, the more that we believe that God is in control, the more we can go through life, not out of breath, but we can go through life relaxed. You see, does this make sense to you? Um, we, believe, we believe like Christians, but we act like atheists. <laughs> we, believe, we, believe, we believe like Christians, there is a God, but how do we act? Like there's no God. You know, like there's nobody up there controlling things. Well, if there's nobody up there controlling things, yeah, you have, a, you have, you have every reason in the world to be worried and, and fretting. But if there's someone up there and someone in you that's got it under control, how should we be? We should be cool as a cucumber. Let me use a real spiritual illustration. All right, here's a spiritual illustration. You remember that old cartoon, Tom and Jerry? That Tom and Jerry, the cat and the mouse? You remember that? Remember Tom chasing that mouse all over the place? And every now and then, Jerry, the little mouse, would make friends with somebody. You remember who he made friends with? The dog. And how was Jerry when the dog was around? Oh, Jerry was, you got something to say, Tom? You know, he's very confident. This little tiny mouse, so confident. Why? Because who he was with, right? And that's the concept here. The reason why you are fretting is because you think no one's with you. Like I said, we believe like Christians, we act like who? Atheists. Yeah, we believe there's a God, but he's not really with me, or I don't even know, I don't even know this thing. And God says the more we start to believe and act like Christians, the more we can get this anxiety under control. So let me, let me give you some thoughts this morning. I'll go through these uh, as quick as I can. Let me give you some thoughts. If you want to write them down, that's fine. But are you guys still with me, or are you guys all stressed out and full of anxiety now? All right. Okay. First thing I want to give you is this. The way to eliminate or reduce your anxiety, you say, okay, I'm going to give you the secret right now. The way to eliminate or reduce your anxiety is to be in total control. But let me ask you a follow-up question. Is that possible? No. It's not. We're frail, man. We're limited. You want to reduce your anxiety? Be in total control. Be in total control. But you see, anxiety increases as our perceived control diminishes. As we realize we have no control, we start to get more anxious. We're, I'm losing control. I'm losing control. On the flip side of that, without getting too ahead of myself, on the flip side of that, the person that realizes I have no control and turns it over to the Lord becomes less anxious. And that's getting way down the road. But, but anxiety increases when our control diminishes. The more we try to control, the more anxious we become because we realize we can't. And that's why some of us in this room, we're control freaks, and the biggest people filled with anxiety are control freaks, because they're trying to control everything, and the sad fact of the matter is, they what? They can't. And the more they realize it, the more what? Anxious they become. So number one, the way to eliminate or reduce our anxiety is to be in total control. 
but that is not possible. That's not possible. So I want to tell some of you today that are trying to control everything in your life, trying to eliminate all the fears and anxiety, it's just exacerbating your anxiety, trying to control everything. Number two, the only real choice is to trust the sovereignty of God. That's the only real choice. You can't control everything. I can't control everything. The only thing to really do is to trust the sovereignty of God. Now, I want to show you some verses from the life of Paul. I'm going to ask a couple of you men, uh, or even ladies, to read some of these verses for me so we can see. Because so, there's, there's, there's too many. Um, and and uh, Brother Pat, I don't know if you have your Bible open in Philippians. But you, would you start us off and read Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 13? All right? And then, um, Brother Chuck... If you would read verses 15 and 18 of chapter 1 of Philippians. And then Brother Jeffers, would you read Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9? And then I'll ask you for another verse right there. We'll, we'll just start for right there for right now. All right? Who's got verses 1 and 12 of chapter 1? Pat, Pat, would you read it out loud? Listen as Pat reads this. Okay, what did Paul say? The things that happened to me happened for the what? He said there was somebody in control. He goes, I understand that everything that happens to me, there's a purpose for it. Somebody is guiding this. And you see Paul talking about the what? The sovereignty of God in his life, right? Did you read verse 13 as well? Okay, uh, who's got verse 15 um, of, of Philippians 1? Who did I give that to? Brother Chuck, would you read verse 15 and then verse 18? Verse 18? He's like, some people are preaching to spite me. He said, you know what? God's using that. Isn't that wonderful? You see what Paul's doing here? He's saying there's problems, but God's got him under control. He's got this. And so that's why Paul's able to write from a jail cell, rejoice in the Lord only. And he's able to say, be careful for nothing. He's proving it, right? Uh, who's got uh, Philippians 2.9? Uh, is that Brother Jeffers? All right. And then verse... Verse 13. What's he saying there? In the midst of all this, God is still working and doing his will for his what? For his what? Good pleasure. So what's Paul saying? God's in control. Folks, that's our only, that's our only answer and response to the problems of this life. We've got to believe in the sovereignty of God. God is in control. And that's how we reduce our anxiety. Some other verses, um, some other verses, uh, Proverbs 21, 30. Let's, let's, uh, let, let's keep our place in Philippians, but we'll go there real quick. Uh, Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 30. And let's, let's read this together because it's such a great verse. Proverbs 21, 30. All right, let's, let's read that. Ready? There is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. In other words, nobody does anything without God's consent. Look at uh, Daniel. We'll go to one, uh, 
Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. This will be the last verse we read here. Daniel chapter 4 and verse 35. Daniel chapter 4 and verse, verse 35. I'll read it. You can follow along. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his what? Will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? There's nobody in this world that can look at God and say, what are you doing? He does what he's going to do, right? And so the more you can accept that and the more you're okay with that, the less you have what? Anxiety, the less anxious you are, okay? So that's enough of that. If you want some other verses, you can look up a little bit later. Uh, Hebrews 1.3 and Lamentations 3.37 and 38. Great verses. Number three, the greatest obstacle to trusting the sovereignty of God are the lies of Satan. Then why can't you trust the sovereignty of God? Because the greatest obstacle are the lies of Satan. The reason why you can't trust that God is in control and trust the control to him are the lies of Satan. Let me give you some lies, and you can think of some and, and give them to me. God is holding out on you, Right? Didn't he use that one on Adam and Eve? Hey, God's holding out on you. God's holding out on you. And it got Adam and Eve anxious about, man, we're missing out. And isn't that what some of us are doing? I'm missing out. I'm missing out on life. We're anxious because we think God's holding out on me. That's a lie of Satan. How about this one? God is angry at you. That's why we can't trust control and turn control over to God because we've bought that line. God is mad at you. How many of us struggle with that? Man, I've struggled with that. But what's the truth? God's flipped out over you, man. God loves you. He wants the best for you. Um, how about this lie? Um, God hates you. Not only is he angry, he hates you. Or God's not around. But you follow what I'm saying? All these are lies that Satan tells us that get us not to trust the sovereignty of God. Get us to do things on our own and saying, hey, God helps them who helps themselves. And, and it's, that, it's that attitude. Number four, and I'm going through this real quick. Here's the truth about God. The truth about God is found in Scripture. Romans 1.25. Let's look at Romans 1.25 real quick. So many other verses I, uh, I could read, but we'll, we'll just go to a couple of them. Did I get the right one? I might have written down the wrong one. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is what? Blessed forevermore. God is what? He's powerful. He can do anything. He's greater than any man. Look at, uh, look at uh, let's look at one other one. Psalm 102 verse 27. Psalm 102 verse 27. Psalm 102 and verse 27. And we'll read this uh, together. Let's read verse 27 together, all right? But thou art the same, and thy years shall have what? No end. Romans 8, 8, don't turn there. We know that one by heart, and we know all things, what? Work together for what? For good. These are the, these are the truth. The scripture is filled with truth about God. Don't believe the lies of Satan. And then finally, number five, anxiety passes. Anxiety passes as our trust increases. If I have anxiety, folks, and if you have anxiety, it is nothing more than a revelation that we really don't trust God. 
we don't really believe God has control and that God is sovereign. The more we come to terms with that, the more we believe God's in control, God is sovereign, God will do right, he will do the right thing, he will make things right. The more we believe that, the less stress, the less anxiety we can have. Anxiety passes as trust increases. Let's look at our final verse today. Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah, in the the Old Testament, Jeremiah. It's after Isaiah and then Jeremiah, verse 17. Chapter 17, verses 7 and 8. Okay? Let's, Let's read these two verses together and then we'll call it quits. Verse 7 and 8. Ready? Let's read it all out loud. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when the heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Did you see that last line? Shall not be what? Careful or full of care. We lose that carefulness or full of care, that worry, as we what? As we trust who? God. What is it today that you've stopped trusting God about? Maybe, maybe, maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's we're in a medical situation. Can I tell you, the more we forget that God is in control, the more anxious we become about the situation. But the more we're constantly reminded that God is in control, The right outcome is going to happen. Whatever happens, he's in control. The more we get to that point, the less anxiety we have. What are you all worked up about today? You have to believe that God is bigger than anything else, that God is in control, that God is going to make it right. You say, well, Brother Danny, what if if God doesn't bring that person back? Hey, you have to believe that God is sovereign enough to give you the grace to handle that. Do you know, um, this is just old and whatever, but when Karen walked out and, 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 and broke up with me, the first one we were dating, God needed to take me to a place that said, I want her back. But if she never comes back, God will give me the grace to handle that. That's sovereign. When I got to that place, the anxiety left. Matter of fact, when I started talking to Karen, she noticed that I wasn't anxious about our relationship anymore because I trusted the sovereignty of what? God. I trusted that if God didn't bring her back into my life, he knew it was best, as bad as I wanted it. And if he did, praise the Lord, even better for me. And praise the Lord, he brought her back into my life. Amen? Now, what's that thing that you're saying, I got, this is the way it's got to be? You've got to turn it over to the sovereignty of God. Let's pray this morning. I'm going to pray a prayer for us. Maybe you listen to this prayer, and, and if this is where you're at, maybe you can pray this along with me in your heart. It's not the prayer of salvation. We're not going to do a sinner's prayer here. But it's a prayer I thought about this morning in my own life, of things that... I haven't turned over to the sovereignty of God, but maybe this morning you, you can. Let's pray this morning. You listen as I pray, and if this is your prayer, maybe you can just double it and ditto it to the Lord. Here we go. Lord, my anxiety levels are high this morning. It seems to be one what if after another. I'm making major issues out of everything, and it seems like I'm tired and out of breath. Honestly, I've tried to control everything to keep my anxiety down. And the opposite has happened. Today, I realize that I've not been trusting in your sovereignty. I've actually started believing the lies of Satan about you. But today I repent, and I choose to believe that you're in total control, 
And if you're in control, I can trust you. Help me to believe you love me and you want what is best for me. Help me to relax in your arms and give me the peace that passes understanding. Father, I pray that you'd search the heart of all of our class members today, Lord. Thank you for leading me in this study and and helping me, Lord, because quite frankly, I backslide into this often, Lord. I get anxious about about outcome. What's going to happen here? What's going to happen there? Thank you for this wonderful reminder from Scripture, Lord, that the reason why we're anxious is we forget about the sovereignty of God. And the more we accept the fact that you're in control, the less anxious we can be. And as our anxiety rises, we need to stop and ask, am I trusting God? Do I really believe he's in control? God bless our class members. Thank you for these incredible people. Some of the most wonderful people I know sit in this room. They love you so much more than I do, Lord. But even all of us, Lord, from time to time, fall into this pattern of anxiety. Help us today. We pray for these people in Puerto Rico again, Lord, and just be with them and those that need you today. uh, Be there for them. Bless Pastor Wilkerson as he he exhorts us and challenges us in the next hour, Lord. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.